You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. This week, the message is entitled, It Takes a Family. It Takes a Family. And this is number five in the right way to grow a healthy church. And also we're talking about a right, the right way to grow a healthy family, the right way to grow a healthy ministry, all those things we're taking into consideration. And this is the last main point that we're making in this series we've been doing. So it takes a family. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that we would understand what you're saying and that we would live in it and that you would reveal to us the riches of your grace here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you can put your hands on your hearts and pray this with conviction. Dear Jesus... With some conviction. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. Okay, it takes a family. Let's get into this. So Ephesians 4.16, this is our foundational text this morning. And it's from him, Christ the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, there's a bit of music going on in the park. That's not from us, but we're in an open area, so that's why you may hear some music going on during the message. Hopefully it doesn't bleed through too much. So again, Ephesians 4.16, from him, Christ, the whole body, he's the head. From him, Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so we're emphasizing that last phrase, as each part does its work. Today, the theme is live in grace, operate in grace. Live in grace, operate in grace. So live in grace, operate in grace. Let's move forward here. So here is the infographic that we've been working on. And now we're at the last section here. The right way to plant and grow a healthy church. Number one was put intimacy above ministry. Number two is stay on the way of worship, prayer, and the word. Number three, at the, center of, at the center of it all is keep centered on Jesus and his love. Four is expect God to cause the growth. And we talked about that last week. We talked about hope last week. 
Daniel and Diane sent me a, a beautiful picture this morning of something they worked on. It's this kind of graphic view of the word hope in light, and they have it in front of their house. Um, and it's for this Christmas season. They're, through their lights, they are bringing the good news and encouraging people to hope. And we talked about hope and expectation last week. So expect God to cause the growth. And number five, and this is where we are, it takes a family operating in grace. It takes a family operating in grace to grow a healthy church, a healthy ministry, and a healthy family. It takes a family operating in grace. A healthy church works as a family. We are all members of one body, Christ's body. As you share the grace God has given you, God's people grow healthy and robust. And we'll find that in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 and through 13. We'll read that a little bit later. But that is where we're going. That really sets the tone for today. Grace is God's way. It's how Jesus saved us and the way we grow. The Lord has chosen to cause his church to increase through grace. He shows us grace so we can operate in grace and give grace to others. As grace flows, God's people flourish. And here I'm thinking about that parable of Jesus, uh, the parable that Jesus shared, and there was that man who was forgiven a great debt, and then the man goes out to another person who owes him just a little amount of money, you know, a few, few dollars, and he's like strangling him, selling him, give me the money you owe me, give me the money you owe me. And of course, the person who forgave him of the debt is really upset because now he is seeking someone who owes him less and is mad at him and is about to kill him because he's not giving giving what is owed him back. He, in other words, this guy receives this great grace. He receives this great forgiveness of debt, but he doesn't show that grace to the person that owes him. The grace doesn't flow through him. He receives the grace, but he doesn't pass it on to his fellow man that owes him. Do you see that? Do you see that parable? And it's something that Jesus is teaching us that we are recipients of grace, but then we have to show grace to others. And showing grace to others is the part where we are, <laughs> the part that is difficult, the part that is challenging. But grace is God's way. It's how Jesus saved us, and it's the way we grow. And the Lord has chosen to cause his church to increase through grace. It doesn't increase by us exacting the law and collecting debt. It increases through grace. And so Jesus shows us grace, and then we operate in grace and give that grace to others. And as grace flows, God's people flourish. You can only grow in grace through living in a family. You can only grow in grace through living in a family. Some of you that are in a family know that grace is required for the family to be healthy 
And God's people is church. We are all in the church, which is a family. And we operate as a family. And we're, we operate as God's family. There's really no model family on earth that is perfect enough to model what we are meant to be as God's people. We look to the word as a standard of what it means to be true family. And then we ask God for grace to be that family. In a family, you learn to be kind and help one another. In a family, you learn to be kind and help one another. You live out forgiveness and unconditional love. Family is the place where you practice the faith you confess. It can be challenging, but it's immensely rewarding. So families break up once they harden their hearts to one another, uh, once forgiveness is not flowing, when, there's no un when it's not unconditional love. Families break apart. But when we're operating in the grace that Jesus has shown us, when we're kind and we help one another, when we live out forgiveness and practice unconditional love, we are really practicing our faith. And it's, uh, again, like I said before, it's challenging, but it's immensely rewarding. And this is how God's people are. So there's, there's a relationship between family units and the family as a church. A family unit can only be healthy as it's truly healthy as it's part of a church family. And a church family can only be truly healthy as the families in that church are healthy. So the two are, are dependent on one another. And most of all, we're dependent on the head Jesus where the grace flows from. So sometimes we try to have perfect unity between us or between other churches. And there's a tension there. But when every member of the body of Christ and every church is connected to the head, the place of grace that flows down, if everyone is connected to the head, then we will automatically be in oneness and unity with one another. So really the only way to unity is to have people closely and intimately re uh, related to the head, which is Jesus. There's no other way beside that because that's where the grace comes from, the grace that we need to show. What is grace? So this brings up the question, what is grace? Grace is God's free. Say free. It's God's free and unmerited empowerment. Now let's say unmerited. And I get you to say that, not to be corny, <laughs> but to just get it in your mind Get st you know, stop and think, uh, keep our mind from drifting here and there. So grace is God's free and unmerited empowerment. His grace liberates us and strengthens us to be the person he wants us to be and to do what he wants us to do. Paul describes the manifold wonder of grace when he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. It gives a real description of what true grace is rather than greasy grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, 
but the grace of God that was with me. So the grace of God... The grace of God is transformative. It's liberating and it empowers us and strengthens us and it causes us to be who God wants us to be. It also gives us room to grow because none of us is, once we're saved, we're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect until you see Jesus face to face. And we're all looking forward to that day. But in that meantime, as we take our journey, we need grace to grow us and even in the end, it's all grace. So we begin with grace and we end with grace. He, Paul worked really hard. He worked hard, but it wasn't his own works. It was the grace of God that was with him. So that's 1 Corinthians 15.10. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Grace equals power. Sometimes when we think of grace, we don't think of power. But grace equals power. And you'll see that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I'm going to turn there because I don't have this verse up on the screen. Now listen to this. Paul says, oh, Jesus says to Paul, Jesus says to Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So notice how Jesus connects grace and power. Listen to that again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So there we see Jesus speaking to Paul and connecting grace. Jesus is saying, my grace, and then he's saying, my power. So we see that connection between grace and power. Grace empowers us. There's another thing I'd like us to see here. And that is the two Greek words for grace and gift. And when I, I know some, some people in our congregation speak Greek, but when I'm speaking Greek, it's Corne Greek, which is 2,000 years old. It's biblical Greek. The Greek language has changed from then, but uh, here is the biblical, the biblical two uh, words. One is charis, and the other is charisma. Charis and charisma. Charis is grace. Charis is grace. It's, uh, and then look at charisma, oh, charisma, sorry. Charisma is just charis with the ma at the end. So you have charis with the ma at the end. And so grace in, in, in the biblical thinking of Paul, we have a gift, that's, that's uh, charisma, we have a gift is something that is from grace. It's just the word grace with ma at the end. So it's a, like a thing of grace. So when you're thinking of a gift, connect it with grace. So you have charis and charisma, grace and gift. Do you see that? Do you see how the two words are connected? You have... Those two words are so similar. And so when you think of grace, you think of God's gift and God's gift of forgiveness and empowering and changing and transforming. But in our language, grace and gift, you don't see that connection between the two. So the idea in the Greek is that it's a gift. 
a gift comes from grace. A gift is something that is from grace. And that's the idea in the biblical language. Let's move forward. So let's now read Romans 12, 3 through 8. This was in the infographic. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, I want to highlight that and repeat that again. We have different gifts according to the grace. Say according to the grace. Yeah. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here we see different. This is not an exhaustive, li an exhaustive list of all the gifts. It's not exhaustive in any way, but it gives us, a, Paul is giving us a sense that everybody in the body has different grace apportioned to them. So for some it's prophesying, uh, some it's serving, some it's teaching, some it's encouraging, some it's giving, some it's leading, some it's showing mercy, and there's many more gifts. And basically, a gift is just the operation of the Holy Spirit through your life, the operation of grace, God's grace through your life. And each one is given that grace. And as you show that grace to others, God's people grow. They prosper. They are strengthened. Are you with me? Stay in grace. Stay in grace. Now, I want you to picture grace like a circle or like a sphere. And I want to encourage you to stay in that circle of grace and don't run out of grace or to stay in that sphere of grace and don't run out of it. Think if they were trying to colonize Mars, if you were, you know, this may happen someday. You know, we are definitely heading toward this if Jesus doesn't return sooner. But say we were colonizing Mars, what would you have to do? They would have to have some type of biosphere in Mars so that we could, and that biosphere would have to have air like Earth because Mars doesn't have the same oxygen levels as Earth. So you would have to create some type of biosphere where there's air where people could live. And then they can think about terraforming Mars um, and making it more like Earth. These are all the things that scientists are thinking about, some of the things scientists are thinking about today. Now, 
How is it for the Christian in this world? Because this world has forsaken. God still loves the world, but because the world has forsaken God, we have to live with heaven's air here on earth. So grace is like that biosphere where we can live the Christian life, where we can breathe in his presence and his spirit, where heaven is on earth and, and around us as we go about our day. Uh, it's the only way we can live here on earth is if we are living with heaven's life, heaven's grace, heaven's, the presence of heaven, the Holy Spirit. So we are to stay in that, that sphere, that, uh, that biosphere, so to speak, of grace. And as you, now say there was this uh, biosphere on Mars and you were living in there and there was plants in there and there was, the air was oxygenated. Well, say you ran out of that little biosphere. You ran out and you went out and you had no spacesuit or anything. Soon you're going to die because there's no oxygen. Well, if you run out of grace, if you run out of the sphere of grace, if you run out of that circle of grace, even on earth, you're going to die spiritually. You're going to be gasping for air. You're not going to make it. You're going to fall into the realm of the flesh. So here's a, a sphere. Grace is like a sphere. Go outside that sphere and you'll enter the realm of the flesh. You see Paul talking about his sphere of ministry in 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 18. We're not going to turn there right now. So grace, what is grace here? What is grace here? Uh, grace is what God has empowered you to be and do. And it's, you want to stay in that sphere of what God has empowered you to be and do. You want to live in his presence. Another way to say this is living in the spirit. We're called to live in the spirit. It's like living in the oxygen of heaven. But what happens if you get outside of that sphere of grace? Well, then you end up entering into your own works. Loss of joy. There's loss of joy there. You end up moving into manipulation, trying to manipulate things, trying to control things because you're not in God's grace. Now you're trying to do things yourself through manipulation, control, different kinds of uh, witchcraft, and by witchcraft I'm meaning our own type of controlling situations, trying to control things. Anger, when you move out of grace, you move into anger, so you're angry with everybody. And listen, you, if you, <laughs> there's enough in this world to be angry at, Right? Uh, there's a lot of things to be angry at, and you can get angry in a family. This is where you need to practice forgiveness. This is why you need grace. You hold on to that anger, that bitterness. It ends up eating you away. You're not operating in grace anymore. Frustration, when you get out of the realm of grace, you get into frustration and burnout 
and grumbling. There's many other things I could put outside of this realm of grace, but you can see it. If you go outside of grace, you end up with this frustration, burnout, control, grumbling. Once you start entering into that type of stuff, anger, jealousy, uh, rage, you, you, you've got to check yourself and say, okay, I'm now getting out of the biosphere of grace. I am now getting outside. There's not, the only way back is through grace. <laughs> it's not through your own uh, you know, religious works. And so you say, Lord, please have mercy on me. Forgive me and help me to live from your grace. And help me to forgive like you forgive. And, help, and may the works that is coming through my life, let it be your works, not my works. Uh, and this grace, this coming into grace and then showing that grace to others. So what's operating here this morning is when Anna is leading us in worship, that's God's grace that he has given her. It's a grace to lead us into worship. Missy does it often at Bible school, and we have such a wonderful time in God's presence at 10 at night. You know, woohoo! <laughs> and sometimes during that, those times, I'm thinking, oh, it's all worth it. it my, my week was really difficult, but hallelujah for God's presence. And... That's a grace on Missy. That's not the only grace that they have operating on their life. That's not their only gifts, but that's one of them. And we get to partake of that grace. Somebody prays out loud and it's grace flowing through them. And we get to eat of that grace and enjoy that grace. Somebody gives. You know, we would not be here. We could not sit here unless people gave and people give money and people give their time and and the reason why we can be here is because people gave. Grace was operating through their life. We sit here saved because somebody shared with us the message of grace. Somebody that shared with us Jesus' forgiveness. Uh, leading is grace. When someone is doing that in the spirit, when someone leads in the spirit, that is grace. All these things are our grace, when someone intercedes, it's grace operating through their life. And Chris was here, and we're praying. We often pray together that Chris has a grace on his life to pray. Some have a grace to serve, and they're serving in the background and helping. Uh, Elizabeth was helping Anna this week as they were setting up things and, and cleaning up the center and setting up for the women's ministry as Kat did womanology. And I want to encourage the women, go out and support Kat and the womanology. Her whole, our whole goal is to support the women and to build up the women. And she has a gift to teach. What about, think, I think about Diane. And she writes, she's not able to get out of the house much because of her physical condition, but there's nobody that I know that writes more than Diane writes. She writes every day and she writes amazingly. All I can think is all of this wealth of wisdom, her whole entire life has been stored up in her and it's all coming out. And all you have to do is go to firstfloormessages.com and you get it for free. But she didn't get it for free. It cost her a lot. A lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of suffering. And yet she shows some wisdom about how to live the Christian life. 
in practical Aussie terms. So, you know, very colloquial, and it's beautiful. So that's grace operating through her. You think of Daniel going out on the road and sharing Daniel and Diane as they go out on the road and they evangelize and share with people the love of Jesus. That is grace. Now, just because somebody has grace, you don't just go say, oh, he has the grace for that. I don't have it. You know, oh, that person has the grace to give, but I have, that person has the grace to give, but I just had the, the grace to hold the money. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the thing when, some, yeah, I have the grace to get, right? <laughs> um, here is the thing with grace is grace should spread. So now that I'm near Chris and he's praying, that grace to pray should come on me, right? As I'm with Daniel and he's evangelizing, then that grace comes on me as well. You're with people who prophesy, and that's grace too, and there's a lot here that, prophesy and I believe every Christian can prophesy and you see them operating in that grace and you experience it and then oh then you're able to operate in it so grace is something that spreads it multiplies it grows the more you give the more you receive the more others receive and the more people operate in it and what I'm saying here is the only way the body of Christ grows is through grace and us showing that grace we can't hide it Inside, we've got to let the river flow. That when I was in the prayer retreat and I went in the center and I locked myself in the center, sometimes it was a little scary because one night there was somebody, sounded like they were demon-possessed outside the fire door. You know, so you know where the fire door is. It's right there. And they were screaming and yelling and swearing up a storm and they were right, right at that door and it was late at night. And I was just praying, Lord, just send them away in Jesus' name. Sometimes people come into that fire escape and they drink. And, and uh, sometimes people come into the building. They're not supposed to be there. Well, anyway, that person, that person left. I didn't know what the Queen Street Mall was in the middle of the night, but sometimes on the Queen Street Mall, some, some lady is screeching out like a, uh, screeching out in pain and, and sounds like, the evil one is screaming through her. Yeah, interesting being there in the center of it all. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> yeah, deliverance. That's, well, one of my prayers that the Holy Spirit put on my heart while I was there and I was singing that song, let the river flow, let the river flow. And we were talking about the river of God's spirit. Let it flow. Let it flow into our city. Let it flow in our church and we could sit around all day and say lord where are where are you where are you uh, why aren't you causing the river to flow well the river flows through you the river flows through you you don't have to wait around so to speak you do need to wait on the lord to get his heart uh, but you're not waiting forever. You're waiting on him with the purpose of receiving so that river can flow through you. So there is a mighty move of God when God's people just let the Holy Spirit flow through them like a river. It is powerful. It is grace. And then people experience that grace. They drink of the river. They come to life. And that is our goal as a church, that's our goal, is to move in grace, not in our own works. I sure don't want to burn you out 
Anna doesn't want to burn you out. I don't want you frustrated and losing your joy. I don't want to try to manipulate and control things and make you do ministry. I just want you, by God's grace, to flow in his grace, to move in and operate operate in it, operate in it and know it. Um, So then the question here, and this is coming to an end, the question here is how to know what grace God has given you. How do you know what grace God has given you? You see, grace talked about in Ephesians 4, 7 in this way and Romans 12, 6. So how how can you know the grace God has given you? How to know what grace God has given you. Let's enter into this. When you are operating in grace, you experience these seven Ps. And this is also how you discover his gifts in you. Sometimes we say, you're my, you know, my gifts, or what's my gifts, or what's your gifts. It's okay to use those words, but more correctly, it should be his gifts in you. His gifts in you. His grace in you. So how do you know that you're operating in grace and what does grace look like? First, power. Power. So when you're operating in grace, there's power to do that very thing from the Holy Spirit. There's power to pray. There's power to prophesy. There's power to give. It is not your own flesh. It is God's power through you. It's power. And also, the next thing is there's pleasure. When you are operating in grace, there's pleasure, there's joy. We talked about joie de vivre at Bible school. Oh, it's up here. (laughs) There's a great pleasure in being in God's grace and doing God's grace. Like, I'm here sharing the word. It's not a chore for me. There is a battle before and there is a battle after. And, but it's a pleasure for me to share God's word. It's the great joy of my life. One of the greatest joys. Anna. And I believe, too, what, the joy that we often feel when we're just doing what God's called us to do and made us to do is his joy. That yes. Yes. Yeah, we, it's the pleasure that we're feeling is his joy, Anna's saying. It's his delight when we're doing his will. It's his joy, it's his pleasure that we're experiencing. And then the next P is passion, passion. When God is giving you a certain great grace, you have a passion for it. You'll see people, they have a passion for the lost. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't have a passion, but that's an expression of Christ through them that we need to catch. You see that? And for me, I have a passion for churches and for churches being planted and growing and multiplying and ministers raised up and apostles, prophets, evangelists, evangelists and teachers being raised up and trained and equipped and doing mighty works and changing the world around them. I have a passion for that. It's a passion that comes from the Lord. And so when you're operating in your grace, you're operating in that passion that comes from God. Four, there's a peace. I think this came up in prayer. When you're operating in God's grace, there is a peace. It's a peace that comes from God. There's a peace in you sharing that grace. There's a peace about that ministry. 
And five, purpose. There's a purpose. You have a sense of purpose. You have a sense of God's purpose. When you're operating in grace, you experience purpose. There's a purpose in the gift. There's a real sense of purpose. Six, purity. Purity. So God's grace is pure. It's a crystal flowing river, a crystal-like flowing river like the river of God in Revelation. It's pure. The grace is pure, and we've got to make sure that we don't pollute it. And that's why in Romans, we were reading there before, in Romans chapter 12, that's it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, is offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then it's talking right after that, for by the grace given me, I say to you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And then verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of, each of us. If your gift is prophesying, he goes on to say, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And what I believe it's meaning here is it's according to your maturity. Don't go out there prophesying to the prime minister and to all this stuff if you're not at that place in maturity, if that's not where your faith has grown to. And so he's telling us, keep the gifts that God has, God has given us pure. Keep them pure. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it, is, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously, not grudgingly. He's saying here, if it is to lead, do it diligently. Keep that pure. And if it's showing mercy, don't be upset about that, but do it cheerfully. So there's a purity in that grace, and we need to keep it pure by not letting our flesh get into the equation. <laughs> But lastly here, seven is person. So first we have power, pleasure, passion, peace, purpose, purity, and person. What do I mean by person? Grace exalts the person of Jesus. So the whole purpose of that grace, the whole purpose of our gifts is not the exaltation of ourself. And look at me. It's not about me at the center of the circus. It's about him. And it's about exalting him, the person of Christ. Uh, so that is how we, that's, there's purity in that when it's all about exalting him. So we operate in our gifts uh, to exalt him. I remember when I was a young Christian and I just started to get into prayer and I started to pray for these uh, long periods of time. And I thought, hey, I'll impress, you know, I was just a couple years old in the Lord. I'll impress the older brothers. I'll tell them how long I prayed. Now, of course, when I look back of it, I see it as absolute foolishness. And, uh, but that, that whole praying that whole time was just God's grace. Because when I started, I couldn't even pray five minutes. You know, five minutes was a whole chore. <laughs> but then God's grace came and God stretched me and expanded me and he, he taught me to pray. And that was to exalt the person of Christ. So all of this grace, all of these gifts, is all about 
him that he would have the preeminence. Preeminence. He would have the preeminence. He would be exalted. So grace exalts the person of Christ. And now we come to an end here. There's a movie that my dad loved this movie because he was a runner. And I was a runner as a young, young uh, kid too. And, but then I had some health problems. And one of the, the reasons why uh, they discovered that I had the health issues it was because I couldn't run anymore. I ran and I fell over. And before that, I was a, a good runner, very good runner. Eric Little said this. He was a runner too. He said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Did you hear? That's like when Anna is worshiping. When she worships, she feels his pleasure. When I'm sharing the word, I feel his pleasure. When I'm praying, I feel his pleasure. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Eric Little from that book chariots of fire and that the movie he was a believer and uh yeah really the grace of god was operating through his life our church's goal is not to put a burden on you or wear you out instead it's to encourage you to operate in the grace god has given you i remember one guy early when we started the church he was a businessman he, he you know traded stocks and all this stuff and and he said to me, just tell me what to do. Tell me what you want me to do. And I said, I don't want to do that with regards to the church. Tell me what you want me to do. I said, I want you to spend time with God, find out what he wants you to do, and do that. And again, in this world, you go to the workplace, you're used to a boss directing you and telling you what to do. And I want you to be connected to the boss, which is Jesus. And I don't want to interfere with that. I want you to understand that my philosophy as a pastor is not to interfere with that. I'll encourage you if you come to me and uh, help guide you in things. But I want you operating, and Anna and I want you operating in grace. Do you see, do you see that? It's to encourage you. Our goal as a church is to encourage you to operate in the grace God has given you. And when we each move in grace, there is great joy. It's not religion. It's not, oh, I got to. Oh. <laughs> it's not moaning and groaning, but there's a great joy in ministering. When we each move in grace, there's a great joy. So now we're at the end here of the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. We talked about putting intimacy above ministry, staying on the way of worship and prayer. That was number two. Three, keep centered on Jesus and his love. Four, expect God to cause the growth. And five, it takes a family operating in grace. And I would really like this to be a guide for us as we have this new beginning, as we go forward, as different people lunch, different ministries, uh, and as we are growing families, what my heart is in this infographic and all the different churches that we're connected with and we're helping in some way, my heart for this infographic is that this would be a guide for us. And these are things that I have 
learned and Anna has learned and our church has learned in the trenches of doing the work. It's not just like a philosophy in the head. This is, this is 23 years of being, you know, fired at, shot at, <laughs> people attacking you. And these are some of the wisdom that I have learned through the whole process of how to do it. I would say it is extremely difficult to plant and grow a healthy church if you're doing it in the flesh. But with God's grace, there's power, there's pleasure in it, there's peace. And we want, really want to stay in that grace. So in summing up today, it takes a family operating in grace. Amen. So we come to the last scripture, Ephesians 4.16. From him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, Father, here we are. Here we are. Different parts of the body. We're all included. We're all accepted. There's not one of us that's more valuable or more important than one another. You have called us into your body. You have made us a part of your body. It's your body. It's not our body. It's your body. It's your church. It's not our church. So I'm asking a blessing of life on everyone here that the grace of God would flow through them. In all different areas, in all different expressions, let the grace of God flow through each one. Let us know your grace that liberates us, that frees us. Let us know your free salvation. And Lord, let us share the riches of that salvation with one another. Bless the families, Father. I pray for each family in this church that they would be blessed and grace would flow through their family to one another. I pray for every ministry, Father, that it would be blessed and it would be connected to the head and grace would flow through every ministry. And I pray for this church that there would be a river of grace meeting Every time we meet together and as we talk to each other throughout the week, let your river of grace flow. And we give you, may you receive all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, all the worship. You are still worthy as we sung. We, you are still worthy and we are going to keep on praising you. We love you, Jesus. I pray that this word would, you would give us understanding so that this word takes root and we are people of grace, marked by grace, characterized by grace, celebrating your grace. Let this be a part of our DNA as a church, as a fellowship, as a fellowship of churches and ministries too. Let this be a part of our DNA in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I hear an amen?